there's pretty money and there's ugly money. In employee benefits, I want to talk about the difference between the popular line items and the popular places where customers want to spend their money, and then the unpopular, ugly line items, the taboo ones that we don't really want to spend our money, let's not talk about it. And I want to encourage you in this episode to encourage your plant sponsors to spend money, spend ugly money, not pretty money. My name is Yafa Sakaja, and I'm the CEO of Beneplan. Um, If you've ever renovated a house or done like house flipping or anything like that, I'm borrowing this term from that world. Pretty money is, okay, let's flip this house. You know what? Let's just like paint everything white, replace the knobs, uh, stage it really nice, put it up for sale. Five, 10K, great. Ugly money is, if a feeling there's mold, uh, let's rip up the basement, feel like there's asbestos in the ceiling, let's get somebody in, let's clean it all up. Furnace filters haven't been changed in a long time. That's ugly money. That's spending ugly money. So, you know, in like the home world, people are looking at beautiful homes and they're just thinking, okay, let's do up our house and we only have 50k to spend and so where are we going to spend our money? So obviously spending pretty money is just kind of putting lipstick on the pig and spending ugly money is not going to make it look cute, it's not going to put you in Architectural Digest magazine, but it's going to make sure that you're not sick because you don't have mold in your house anymore, you don't have that leak anymore. Or the furnace that hasn't been replaced for, you know, 15 years is going to blow once one winter. Um, so I think this concept extends to benefits, too. I think the pretty money always goes to things like massage and vision. So every single time, every plant sponsor I talk to, that's like, oh, we did a poll. <laughs> Mistake number one, but okay. We did a poll, and we uh, asked our employees what they like and what they don't like about their benefit plan. Mistake number two. Never, don't do that, but I'll talk about that why uh, later. And, uh, and so everybody basically said, like, we don't like the massage doctor's note, and, you know, $200 is not enough for vision. Like, okay, that's pretty money. So you want, like, the marble kitchen, you want a soaker tub. Um, do you care if there's mold in the walls? Like, do you care if somebody's permanently and totally disabled and they can't feed their families and they're on the street smoking heroin? Uh, sorry. <laughs> but do you? I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, The ugly money is long-term disability, short-term disability, life insurance, adjudication. All of that is ugly money. And I say ugly money because every time I talk to a plan sponsor who's like, okay, we want to spend about 10K improving the plan. Let's put it all in vision and massage. And I look at their life benefit and I'm like, it's a flat $25,000 life benefit and you have no disability. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. It's going to cost you way less money in your budget to implement a like. I'm not even asking for a lot. I'm just like one-time salary life. Just get to the minimum. Uh, And disability, which is an employee-paid benefit. And that's when I start to lose people. That's the ugly money portion. But I say that because, first of all, a 25K flat life is really a remnant in Canada from the 90s. Like, I can't remember when it was, but like Revenue Canada at some point said the first $25,000 of life insurance is tax-free and anything above that is taxable upon death. And then they changed that, so now the whole thing is tax-free. But anytime you see a flat 25K life, you're like, oh, a contract from the 90s. How nostalgic. Is there anything else in this time capsule that we can find? Maybe there's like a cassette. Um, Anyways, so... You know, the the key with ugly money is like if you don't spend or if you don't encourage the plan sponsor to spend on life and disability, just like ignoring the mold in your basement, it's going to cause severe pain down the road. And I'll tell you the severe pain. I mean, there have been so many times that we've seen that there's not an adequate life benefit. I saw this actually last week. Somebody 
took their own life at a plan sponsor, and they had a flat 25K life benefit. That's ugly. It's, it's, an, it's an ugly thing to tell the widow, I'm so sorry, or the beneficiary, or the child who that person left behind. Here's $25,000. In 2022's dollars with inflation, that's like, it's not much. It really isn't much. And you know what? A lot of people are not going out and buying their own individual life benefits. Unfortunately, they're not. I can't remember the stats, but there's a huge amount of underinsured people. Enormous. So how are they going to pay rent? How are they going to pay their mortgage? Like, that is some really painful, ugly stuff. And as a result, I've seen bosses reach into their wallets and just write checks to people. I see it all the time. The owner's like, I was mortified that it was only 25K, so I just told accounting to write a check for 50K. I'm like, so you're the insurance company? Like, you could have paid a dollar per month per person for the last few years in exchange for an insurance company to pick up that risk because group life is so cheap. It's like really, really cheap. It's like pennies on the dollar compared to buying individual life. Um, Long-term disability is another one. How many times I've like been blue in the face explaining to people. Um, so, you know, the typical, typical business owner who is... It has no benefit plan and is trying to implement something from the first time is going to say, well, no, 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 no long-term disability because I heard all these horror stories from my friends about stress leave and I don't want stress leave. I'm like, okay, F forget, forget like stress, for example. Just imagine like your car insurance. Your car insurance is no fault accident. And your WSIB, do you have WSIB? Yes, maybe, no. WSIB or, sorry, workers' compensation is a no-fault concept. Well, at least it is in Canada. I don't know where you're listening to this. No-fault meaning if you get hurt on the job site, before I think it was like the 1920s or something like that, like, yeah, before workers' compensation was invented as a concept, the worker could sue the employer and win because they say, hey, you provide an unsafe job site. When workers' compensation came in as a concept, it said, hey, this is no fault, just like your car insurance. No fault. Okay, so let's stop pointing fingers. Let's just deal with the issue. Let's just everybody put a little bit of money in the pot, pay your fair share, and then we're just going to pay the claim. But what that did is it removed the ability for the worker who got hurt to sue the employer, which is enormous. That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> because I say that's huge because when you're running a business, it's not a matter of if somebody gets hurt or sick. It's a matter of when. We're dealing with human beings. And like stress, I'm sorry, is a fact of life. It's a fact of life. It's not going to disappear. We live in this society. This is the economy that we've built. We're not hunter-gatherers. We are living in a very stressful society. So when somebody says, oh, I don't want the stress problem, I'm like, it's actually, you have to flip your thinking on its head. If you don't have either workers' compensation or long-term disability benefits or short-term, dis any disability benefit, that is a no-fault concept, 24-hour coverage, meaning if you get hurt or sick on the job or off the job that the employer cannot control, guess what? If you don't have that coverage, it is your problem as the employer. I'll tell you why it's your problem. Because whether you like it or not, since you, since the employer is the one paying money, putting money in people's bank accounts, and that's the number one, if not only way, that people are able to pay their bills. If somebody needs money badly, who do you think they're going to ask? I know who they're going to ask. I see it all the time. I see our customers, our brokers telling us, hey, you know, the guy, the person walked into the owner's office, asked how their salary is going to continue during their, their cancer treatments. And I have never 
I've, well, maybe some. It's very difficult to find a business owner who talks a big game about, I don't want stress leave on my, in my company or affecting my plan. That same person will not be able to look that disabled person in the eye and say, I'm going to cut off your payroll. It, that same person will say, yeah, of course, of course, we're going we're gonna to do everything we can. We're going to extend your payroll. Of course, no problem, because you're thinking short term. But that becomes your problem. So if you actually have a disability plan, which, by the way, doesn't cost the company any money 90% of the time. Like, short-term disability, there are so many ways that you can, at least in Canada, like, you can get money back from the government when you're rolling it out. You can actually make a profit off of that strategy. And long-term disability, it's employee paid largely anyways, and for the cost of basically one latte a week, an employee can cover, protect their income until they're age 65. Um, like that is the most important thing like imagine losing your home forget massage forget massage if you lose your home you are that is just ugly 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 and it's it's just a scenario that you know just like the furnace or the mold or whatever like no matter how much you tell people they almost like have to experience it and experience the pain so if you notice the sophisticated hr leaders the sophisticated controllers and business owners who have been in the game for a long time if they've seen it once, then they know. They've learned their lesson. They're like, okay, I once had to pay this person for like two years. I'm not doing that again. Let's let's get it in. Let's get it in now. So it's really important that you hold their hand throughout that process. It's okay for people to not like you. It's okay for them to say, I disagree with you. But can you imagine buying a house that looks pretty and your real estate agent saying, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, knowing that there's mold in the basement. And then two years later, you finding out that you've got to rip up the whole thing. It's going to cost you $200,000 and that your real estate agent knew and didn't tell you about it. You would despise that person a lot more than if up front, the real estate agent says, um, it's your money at the end of the day. However, I do not recommend that you do this. This is a bad idea. I recommend instead that you look elsewhere or that you remediate the mold or you whatever, because they're going to remember that if they forget and they say, or, or sorry, if they proceed and buy that house, like AKA have minimal or no life insurance or no <laughs> disability benefits. And anyway, so they're buying that house, the pretty house, they know there's mold and they're like, okay, you've told us, but it's my money. I'm spending it fine. But a year later or two years later, they're going to go back and they're going to say, okay, I need your help now. I'm ready to listen. And that's the difference. The difference is like, it's tough love. I'm sorry. It's a bit of parenting. It's, I have a little bit of an old school philosophy. I think more new school advisors, I was talking to an advisor recently, and they said, well, we're going to present the options to the, um, uh, you know, present the options to everybody, and we're going to see what they say, and we're going to let them choose. No. No. You must choose. You must choose the plan design, and you must tell them your opinion, even if they don't take it. The last piece of like pretty versus ugly money I want to talk about are drugs and dental copay. Uh, there's so much noise about wellness and self-care and like just have a bubble bath. Unfortunately, if you've got a real mental issue, like a mood disorder, if you have bipolar disorder, um, there is no amount of bubble baths or <laughs> I don't know time off. Uh, that it will take to address the chemical imbalance in your brain. And I'm sorry to break this to you. I've been one of those hippy-dippy people. I've also kind of started drinking the Kool-Aid and realized, like, there are conditions that require medication. Like, I, you know, things cannot just be cured by wellness. And before you 
come at me. I used to be one of those people. I used to definitely read those books and like follow those lectures and say, yeah, yeah, you know, you can reverse depression with nutrition and you can help that. Fine. But like at a certain point there, you, there are people you have to just accept it where medication has changed their life for the better. Medication has allowed them to be a functioning member of society as opposed to being homeless and being on the street. So this is the ugly money part of it. I think the, you know, the, I don't know, 75% of people who are not currently experiencing a mood disorder, because 25% is still a ton of people, right? It's, it's, I think the statistics are like one in four people in their lifetime will experience a bout of depression, anxiety, et cetera, through grief or, or other. So if you're in the majority and you're not currently experiencing um, a mood disorder that could impact your employment, you're not going to be thinking about the people who are taking drugs. And in fact, I see this stigma all the time when people are looking at uh, their drug benefit report and they see antidepressants as number one, they're like, oh my God, we have a big problem. I'm like, no, you don't have a problem. That means that they solve the problem because they're taking antidepressants. Um, you would have a problem if you didn't potentially have that and you have a huge population. Like the bigger problem is if you have 100 employees and you don't have mood disorder medications, as the number one, two, three, or four, one uh, category being spent on your plan, um, that's a really interesting phenomenon that we don't see because they are a huge, huge consumed item. So the point of this is like we get to, okay, people in the plant, they have 70% coverage for drugs. Um, should we change it to 80, 90, 100? Uh, I don't know if it makes a big deal. Probably not. And I'm like, stop. It actually makes a big deal, a big deal. Because first of all, 70% of the healthcare dollars on average are being spent towards medicine. Let's remember the reason why employee benefits were invented. They were invented because people could not come to the factory because they could not afford the medicine for their child. So therefore they stayed home to stay with their sick child. But if the employer said, hey, if I'll pay a dollar for the antibiotics for your child, will you come to work? And they're like, yeah, I'll come to work because my child is no longer ill. That's the fun, well, at least in Canada, like in 1957, like, I don't know, Bill from Greenshield, Bill Wilkinson, whatever his name was, like invented the drug card. And that, that's basically like the beautiful story that they tell us like, oh, then we can afford the insulin for a dollar. And the factory continued. We, you know, Detroit was on fire and it was heaven. And oh, we all like clinked our glasses and went home. Okay, so that's the reason, like, the reason why you give a benefit plan is so that people report for duty because if they're sick and they cannot afford to have the treatment, they will not report for duty, period. I mean, yes, we talk about, like, we're a great place to work, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of really great places to work that don't have benefit plans and survive for, like, a decade without a benefit plan because it doesn't impact the ability for their team to report for duty. Only do I see employers add benefit plans when somebody finally puts up their hand and somebody important enough, I'm sorry to say, CTO says, I'm not reporting for duty because you guys don't have a benefit plan or this is, a, this is a ridiculous cheap benefit plan. That's the thing that makes business owners reach into their wallets and say, okay, what's it going to cost? What's it going to take? So I say that because don't gloss over increasing copays for drugs or even dental. Don't like, don't trim around the bush, get to the heart of the issue. People, if people are earning minimum wage, moving drugs from 70 to 80% is a huge deal. Moving it from 80 to 90 is a huge deal. Um, I once took this healthcare economics course as part of my SEBS package. SEBS is like this, I guess, designation in Canada about employee benefits. Anyways, irrelevant, but, um, we looked at all these like curves. So the, the demand and supply curves in economics about, well, it, our healthcare products 
in elastic demand or elastic demand. So if this is a new concept for you, the concept of elastic demand is basically if the price changes, I will change my purchasing behavior. So if the cost of shoes go up, I might buy less shoes and then the curve goes down. Gasoline might have inelastic behavior because I need to buy gas whether the price at the pump is $1.40 or $1.70 per liter in Canada. So that's inelastic demand. So then the, the the concept or is, well, healthcare must be an inelastic demand because if you've got a broken leg, well, I'm sure you're going to have to buy a crutch, right? wrong. Actually, when you look at human behavior, it has been studied that it has elastic demand tendencies, just like buying shoes or purses or wine. I don't know. Maybe wine is, is inelastic. But the key there is that if somebody breaks their leg and you're giving them 50% coverage, many, many people will just not buy the crutch. But if you actually give them 100% coverage, a lot of people will buy those crutches. And what you'll find is you're now recruiting people on the sidelines who have that need, but who could not afford it. And even asking them to pay a dollar, five dollars out of pocket, cause them to actually opt out of that economy altogether, which is a really compelling thought. Side note, because in Canada we have universal health care, there have been some ideas tossed around in the past about like a tax, a health tax, or hey, maybe there should be like a five dollar copay if you enter emerge. And a lot of the times the policy, uh, policy analysts will say, no, no, absolutely not, because there will be some people that just simply don't go to emerge because they don't have the $5. And we can't adjudicate every person one by one, so keep it zero. That's actually the most elegant, ethical thing to do. That concept extends to medicine, believe it or not. It really does. I mean, if you've got diabetes, but you've got to pay 20% out of pocket and you've got all these other bills, you might extend or you might change your behavior about you know how much you're treating yourself so that is going to really change people's lives but similar to the mold in the basement you're not going to see it on the photos it's not going to be in the brochure you just have to know that you did the right thing in your heart in your core and look i've seen it happen where i've been in the room with a really really strong advisor um, that's been in the business for a long time, and they didn't let go. They said, listen, the people in the plan are, earning, are having 70%. You guys are talking about adding health spending accounts for the executives. Stop it. Instead, make drugs for the plant 80%. Then you can talk about executive health spending accounts after. And you know what? They listened. And guess who was in that room? The plant manager. And the plant manager was so thankful. He said, wow, like I've never seen anybody stick up for my people before. This is huge. This is enormous. They're going to be so happy. And that changed the relationship. The relationship went from the client saying, you're my vendor. You do what I say, what I tell you, to I have respect for these people. I have respect for them because they do have the, you know, their heart in the right place. They stood up to me, and I respect that. So um, moral of the story is I really encourage you to think, think very deeply when people are asking you to spend pretty money, see how much of the ugly money you can recruit over to the other side of the plan. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Yaffa Sakaja. You can find me at yaffa at benaplan.ca or you can follow us on social on all accounts at Benaplan. All right, take care.